official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. We've been doing a series called Conversations with Jesus, and we're looking at conversations that Jesus had with other people in the Gospels. And this morning, I want to look at a conversation Jesus had with one of his close friends named Martha. And it's a conversation from John's Gospel that none of the other three Gospels record. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible's broken up into two sections. It has the Old Testament and the New Testament. And and the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. Does anybody know what they are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and these books primarily focus on the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And these four Gospels, they provide us with four different vantage points. You may have noticed last week, if you watched the Super Bowl, that there were several different cameras all filming the same game. Right? And so there was one point in the game when the running back for Kansas City, Damian Williams, he, he, he went to score a touchdown, and it looked like his foot stepped on the line, and he just reached over. And so what did they do? They supplied different camera angles so that you could get the most accurate picture of what really happened. And so the four Gospels are like four cameras that are recording the life the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And they provide us with a more accurate, complete picture. But John's gospel is really unique. John is kind of like the Socrates of the gospel writers. He starts out in the beginning of his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You're like, whoa, that's deep. And John is kind of like, if if you were to describe a camera angle, I would say it's like the sky cam. It just provides a unique angle. And so this conversation that we're going to look at this morning is recorded in in John's gospel, but not in the other three gospels. And what I love about this unique conversation from John's gospel is how multifaceted it is. It's a conversation about resurrection. It's a conversation about the glory and power of God. It's a conversation about who Jesus is and what he came to do. But it's also a conversation dripping with disappointment and disillusionment. It's a conversation that makes room for confusion and belief all at the same time. And I believe it's a conversation that every one of us needs to have with Jesus, at least at one point in our lives. For me, multiple times. (laughs) And so here's the background for, for this conversation with Jesus. Again, it's with his close friend, Martha. And it starts in John chapter 11, and verse 1 kind of lays the backdrop for the conversation. Verse 1 of John chapter 11 says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Now Lazarus, we find out, is a close friend of Jesus, and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, who were also close friends with Jesus. And knowing that Lazarus' illness was very serious, his two sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus, who was out of town. And the message said, Jesus, your dear friend 
Lazarus is sick. And so Martha and Mary sent this message for two reasons. One, Jesus was a very close friend of the family. And two, they knew that Jesus was a healer because he was doing miracles and healing people. And so when the message arrives to Jesus, Jesus tells the messenger, this sickness won't end in death. It'll be for God's glory. But the only thing is, it does end in death because Lazarus dies. And so you're wondering, wait, Jesus, you said that this won't end in death, and yet Lazarus is dead. And days pass by, and Jesus still hasn't shown up to the house. So let me ask you this question. How do you think Martha and Mary felt about that? Days have passed by. Go ahead and shout out some answers. How do you think they felt? Disappointed? Yeah, I would imagine abandoned. Mad, angry, what else? Betrayed, hmm, yeah. What else? Disillusion, yep. Where were you? I think, I think helpless would be a word I would use. You know, like, we don't really know what this is like because if, if a friend tells us, you know, if we're relying on a friend and we're expecting them to come, we can just text them, hey, where are you? Hey, what's going on? When are you getting here? They didn't have that. They sent a messenger, the message came back, and then there's just this empty void. I bet you they were frustrated, confused, disillusioned, all that stuff. And what makes this conversation with Jesus that Martha is about to have even more complex and convoluted, Jesus invites his disciples into the conversation. A few days after the messenger leaves, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, okay, let's go to Judea now. Of course, that's the town where Lazarus and Mary and Martha are are in. And, And Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus is sleeping, and I'm going to wake him up. And the disciples try to dissuade Jesus because the last time they were together in Judea, the people tried to stone Jesus. And so the disciples say to Jesus, well, Jesus, if, if, if he's sleeping, he's just sleeping, um, somebody else could wake him up. We, we don't have to go risk our lives. Uh, if, he, if he's sleeping, he must be getting better if he's resting. And then Jesus just very plainly says that Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad we weren't there so that you can believe. And then Thomas One of the disciples, he turns to the others and he says, let's go die with Jesus. And all you see is just all this mass confusion. Jesus tells him he's sleeping, he's going to go wake him up. The disciples say, well, why why do we need to go wake him up? Like, that's kind of risky. And then Jesus says, no, he's dead. And the disciples are scratching their head and they think, well, I guess we're just all going to go die together. And I love that John records this conversation. I love it. Because it makes me feel better about all the times I'm confused by God. Have you ever been confused by God before? Me and Linnea are the only people in this room who have ever been confused by God. But I'm confused by God all the time. And, and, I, and I read this and I see that the disciples are confused and it gives me hope. And what happens is when they finally arrive to Mary and Martha's house, they discover that Lazarus has been dead for four days. 
And Martha comes out to greet Jesus. And you can imagine she's been stewing on this. What is going on? Where is he? What's his problem? Are we even friends anymore? (laughs) He's abandoned us. And this is the conversation I want to focus the rest of our time on. I'm going to invite Zach to come up, and he's going to read our passage for us this morning. It's John chapter 11, verse 17 through 28. Work? Yeah, we're good. good. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe in this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into, this, into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. And so, again, Martha's been thinking about what she's going to say to Jesus. And she goes out to greet him. And the first words she says to him is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And these words are loaded. First of all, she's expressing faith in Jesus, right? Because she said, Jesus, if you would have been here, you could have healed my brother. So it's a declaration of faith on some level. But it's also a jab, right? It's also a a little passive aggressive. Like, Jesus, this is, you're you're really to blame for this. Because if you'd been here, My brother wouldn't have died. So when I read these 12 words by Martha, I see faith. I see regret. I see rebuke. I see remorse. I see passive aggression. There's all this stuff just jam-packed in these 12 words because she's had time to think about this. And I can't speak for you, but this conversation mirrors a lot of conversations I have with Jesus. Right? Right? I'm confused by him. I'm frustrated by him. I remember one time when my son Joshua was a baby, he had to get his legs casted from his feet up to his thighs because they were bowed and they were really crooked. So he had to wear casts for about three months. So we got him these orange casts, and I took a, a black Sharpie and drew like tiger stripes all over the cast because it looked cool. But at the same time he was getting casted, we were also trying a whole bunch of different seizure medications for him because he was having terrible seizures uh, all throughout the day. And sometimes it'd be five, 10, even 15 minutes, which are really scary. And we were trying different medicines and the medicines were causing him to like fall over. He'd crawl around and he'd fall over and he had these casts on. And we just hadn't found the right medicine yet. And I remember one day watching him scoot, scoot around in the little tiger striped cast, kind of wobbling around in our house where I, I just said, Jesus, I believe in you, and I trust you, 
but you're not my favorite person right now. Because a little kid should not be having to suffer like this. I would gladly take that on for him if I could, but you don't even let me do that. And I wonder if that's the frame of mind that Mark was in. He said, Lord, if you just would have been here, my brother would be alive. And you can feel the frustration and confusion in her words. Think about this. To her, Jesus goes around and heals all these strangers, but he's not there for his friends. That's what's in her mind and heart. She's wrestling with something that all of us wrestle with, and that's disappointment with God. God, why do you let this happen? God, I thought you cared. Where were you? Why didn't you intervene? And for, see, for many of us, including myself, the real problem isn't that God doesn't answer prayer. The real problem is that he does. So when he doesn't answer mine the way I hope him to or expect him to, I feel abandoned. And, and there's something that I'm learning, just like Martha, that there have been times, many times, when I've been confused and frustrated by God, only to later find out that he was with me the whole time. See, God is not to blame for sickness, for tragedy, for death, for racism. He, he's not to blame for those things. Those things are the result of living in a broken, sin-torn world. That's our doing. And that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to save us, to set things right again, to make the world right again, to realign us with God, to rescue us from sin and death and brokenness. And being a Christian is really just trusting in Jesus and the work he came to do and that he will finish what he started. That's what it is. And, and look how Jesus responds to Martha's words. Martha says to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus doesn't say to her, of course you'd say that, Martha. You have no idea of how tough it is, how many demands on me, how many pressures on me, having to respond to everyone's beck and call, be everyone's rabbi, be everyone's therapist, be everyone's physician, be everyone's saver. Of course you would say that, Martha, because you have no idea what it's like. That's how I'd respond. But Jesus is more emotionally healthy than me. And look how he responds. He tells her, your brother will rise again. You know what I noticed about Jesus? He's phenomenal at being a non-anxious presence. Martha's got all this anxiety, and you can understand it. She just lost her brother. And Jesus could have helped. That's a lot of anxiety. And now he, he's, she's confronting him and like talking to him about, that's a lot of anxiety. But Jesus is a master at just being a non-anxious presence. He's a secure guy. He's pretty secure. He can handle our frustrations with him. He can handle our doubts with him. He can handle our, our confusion with him. He's just this non-anxious presence. And he says to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha thinks he's trying to console her. Like, this is a nice thing that you say at a funeral, right? You go to a funeral and you say, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Hey, we'll, we'll, see, him, we'll see them again. 
It's just a nice thing to say. And so Martha responds, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus isn't offering Martha condolences here. He's enlarging her horizons and her understanding of who Jesus really is. Look at these words, verse 25, Jesus responds to her. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her this question, do you believe this? Notice Jesus doesn't say to her, I can give resurrection in life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. See, uh, here's how we often think of, of life, death, and heaven. If I hold out my, my left arm here, we think of life and death and heaven like this. This is my life, this arm, from my elbow to my fingertip. This is where life starts, and this is where I die. This is where it ends. And we think that, that when we die, this other arm, my right arm, if we touch the fingers together, this is heaven, right? This is the life of the age to come. And so that begins when we die. That's what we think. What Jesus tells Martha here, he says, no, Martha, you're wrong because this is what it looks like. You don't have to wait to experience resurrection life until you die. The moment you believe and put your trust in Jesus, resurrection life begins. The moment you believe and put your trust in Jesus, resurrection life begins. And, and in, in a way, it, it makes death incidental. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, that death is swallowed up in victory, and it's lost its sting. Now, that doesn't mean that, that death isn't difficult, that it's not painful, that it's not sorrowful, but it means that death doesn't get the last word and that we don't have to wait until we die to experience Jesus' resurrection life. The moment we believe and put our trust in Jesus, that new life begins. We can engage and experience in the age to come. Um, here's the thing that I'm trying to communicate to you. Jesus offers us much more than an afterlife. He offers us life right here and now. And we don't have to wait for it. This past November, um, we said goodbye to a couple friends in our church who went home to be with Jesus. Uh, Greg Levine, who passed away of a brain tumor on November 4th. And then Karen Newman, our friend Karen, who died of metastatic breast cancer on November 13th. And I'll, I'll guarantee you this. This conversation that Martha's having with Jesus about life, death, and resurrection, the two of them had that, and it was a very real conversation for them. But this conversation with Jesus isn't just for funerals, and it isn't just for people who are battling life-threatening illness, because every single person in this room is terminal. 
I know that sounds morbid. You didn't come here for morbid. You came here for praise, but nobody gave testimony, so we went morbid. <laughs> I know it sounds morbid, but listen, guys, every single one of us in this room is slowly inching closer and closer to our death. I don't care if you're healthy. I don't care if you're young. We're inching there. But here's the thing. When we put our trust in Jesus and we believe in tre- Jesus, life, life and, and it doesn't look like this. Death becomes incidental and new life starts. We can enter into resurrection life in the age to come right now. Jesus said, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, here's how this conversation with Jesus ends. We can't read it all. It goes on and on and on. You read John chapter 11 this week, and you can get the rest of the conversation. But Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? In other words, do you believe this? John 11, verse 27, she responds, and she says, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And the conversation continues, and there's more people that are invited into the conversation. Eventually what happens is they walk to Lazarus' tomb, and Jesus asks the the mourners who are present, roll away the stone that covers Lazarus' tomb. And who steps in? Martha. She says, Lord, don't do that, because it's going to really smell. He's been dead for four days. Don't open that tomb. So the conversation's still going. And what I find so interesting about that is that Martha clearly believes in Jesus. He asked her, do you believe this? And she said, yeah, I believe. I believe you're Messiah, the Son of God. But, but don't roll away the tomb because <laughs> it stinks in there. So she's also frustrated. She's also confused. She even has doubts in Jesus' decision-making ability. She believes, but she, she, there's some tension going on. You ever find yourself in a place like that? You believe in Jesus. You believe in God, but boy, you're just really confused by stuff. And Jesus tells Martha, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would, you would see the glory of God? And he's essentially saying to her, let me help you believe even more than you do. Man, I love that about Jesus. He doesn't condemn her and say, what? You, you have unbelief? Fine, I'm leaving. Take that and walk away. No, he's, he's not. I, I love Jesus because he, he, he says, let, I, I, I so love that you believe. Let me help you believe more. And when you read the rest of the story, you'll find that he calls Lazarus out. And he's resurrected from the dead. And for the very first time, Martha gets to see with her own eyes everything Jesus had just said to her. That he is the resurrection in the life. So I want to close this morning by asking all of us the same question. Do you believe this? That the moment you put your trust in Jesus, even with your confusion, even with your doubt, even with your frustration with God, the moment you put your trust and believe in Jesus, you enter into resurrection life, the life of the age to come. See, Christians all over are under this illusion, and it's a false narrative, that we can't experience the life God has for us until we die. So we just kind of muster through. 
But Jesus, Jesus does something revolutionary here. He says, no, that's not it. You enter into life the moment you put your trust in me. And you know what that means? Not only do we experience eternal life in his life, but we get to cooperate with his work in the world. We get invited into his mission. So incredible. And so maybe you're here this morning and, and you want to believe and put your trust in Jesus. And maybe it's the first time you've ever even thought about that. And maybe you're here and you think like, you know, I want to believe and trust in Jesus, but I have unbelief too. There's a story in Mark's gospel where Jesus comes across a man who, and this man's son is very sick, and he asks Jesus to, to heal his son. And Jesus says these words to the man, everything is possible for him who believes. And then the man responds, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's a prayer Jesus answers. He did it for that man in Mark 9. He does it for Martha here. And he can do it for us. Right? We don't have to have everything figured out to believe in Jesus. If we had everything figured out, we probably wouldn't need Jesus. We'd be God. Right? But we're not. So we do. And so if you're here this, this morning and, and you say, you know what? I think it's time for me to put my trust in Jesus believe in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about that. One thing you'll notice at Church at the Wells, we don't have a public altar calls and showing of hands. Um, the context I grew up in church, at the end of every sermon, the pastor would say, with every eye closed and every head bowed, right? And everyone closed their eyes and bowed their head. And the pastor would say, if you want to trust in Jesus, raise your hand. And then everyone's eyes are closed, but they're trying to peek and see who's raising their hand. And the pastor goes, I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. And then ask them to come forward. We don't do it that way here. It's not there's nothing wrong with that. But we just feel like we don't want to make a spectacle of your faith. That if Jesus is doing something inside you, it's just real. And it's going to happen. But that being said, Scripture tells us that when, when, when we do decide to put our trust in Jesus and believe in Jesus, even in the midst of our doubts, that's really important to, to tell somebody. Ro Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So this idea of like, yeah, I believe in my heart, and I'm just going to say, like, yeah. And maybe your prayer this morning needs to be, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's okay. So can I say a prayer for all of us? I invite the worship band to come up, and we'll, we'll sing one more song together. But let's, let's pray first. Lord, I thank you for that testimony that Lene shared of how you provided for her. Lord, I thank you that you provide for us and supply us with everything we need, including, including your righteousness, including hope for your future, including resurrection life. When we're, we're stuck in a, in a world of sin and death and brokenness, Lord, we're just grateful that we can trust that you're going to finish what you started through your son Jesus. So we open our hearts right now. And we ask him to call us out of our tombs into life. Lord, even in the midst of our confusion, our doubts, our questions, our frustrations, Lord, we want to put our trust in you. It's really hard sometimes, but we, 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 this, is a, this is a place to do it, so we do it right now. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to, 
to provide for us, to continue to put gallons of water in our, in our car, continue to put uh, gallons of, of, of hope and resurrection life in our hearts and in, in our lives. And we will give you praise every time we see it because you're good and you're worthy of it. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.